everyone, welcome to the Flexing Physio Podcast. My name's Dan and I'm a physio currently based in Melbourne, Australia. This podcast is aimed for both students and new grads. In this podcast, there will be lots of fun banter and cool guests. Now, let's get into this episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining another episode of the Flexing Physio. We've had a lineup of really cool guests all in the last couple of weeks. We've had Eugene Teo, we've had Mick Hughes, we've had Nick Kyrgios as physio, we've had it all. So definitely really happy and keen just to slow down the pace a little bit and just come back to my roots, come back to our roots and the whole reason why we started, well, well why I started this podcast, which is to help you who most likely is a student or a new grad and you're just trying to find your way through private practice. So today, I'm going to invite a really, really special guest. Now, I met this guy probably a couple of weeks ago from Instagram. I slid into his DMs. So without further ado, I'd like to invite to the Flexing Physio Podcast, Mr. Nadina. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be on here. Yes, you did slip into my DMs on Instagram and we did go on a beautiful Tinder date in Mooney Ponds, which that was, was lovely. It was nice. <laughs> it was very lovely. You yeah. looked very happy. <laughs> I was very happy. Yeah, you picked me up from the train station. Correct. We went to, where do we go? I've already forgot. We went to a no- lovely cafe. Yeah, correct. I think it was Convoy in um, on Pascoville Road in Mooney Ponds, which is lovely. Yeah, it we was. had a very Instagrammable place as well. It was a very, ins- I find... Places in Melbourne, it's just super Instagrammable. Correct, correct. Everywhere, yeah. basically. Yeah, and you've only been here a few weeks, so imagine a month from now, two months from now, you're going to be flying. Like, I know. We'll be doing everything, going on hikes, surfing. It's going to be Tinder date after Tinder date. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, Nadina, give give my listeners a bit of an introduction on who you are, where did you study, and where do you work? So um, I'm a physiotherapist. I'm a full-time physiotherapist at Head to Toe Physiotherapy in Mooney Ponds. Um, so I began my journey like a lot of you guys would have. Um, it, I actually started in a Bachelor of Exercise Science. So I did my three-year exercise science degree at Victoria University, got a lot of exercise prescription knowledge there, um, very practical, learning how to um, apply it in sporting sense, mm-hmm. and then um, got into my Master's of Physiotherapy practice in um, La Trobe. So I completed that after two years, um, did not know where I wanted to go with it, um, but then ended up in private practice and I've enjoyed it ever since. So um, learning how to work with patients and um, helping them get better, being part of the journey, applying my skills in different areas of the body, just enjoying it very, very much. So um, it's just going to be a big part of what I do as well is a bit of um, teaching of um, other physios. Um, um, talking to a lot of graduates as well about um, what to do when you're first going into private practice Mm. um, um, even making complex areas a little bit easier to understand as well for sure and that's why I think I like you so much is because you and I share the same passion with helping students and and kind of passing our knowledge to the next generation correct yeah so you um, you and I are always about the kiss principle keep it simple stupid yeah Yeah, so a lot of this stuff can be um, quite intimidating there's a lot to know yeah but um, when you got a patient in front of you and you have to convey things back to them you need to keep it simple yeah that's keep it simple for you you keep it simple for them um, do the bare basics right um, and knowing how to do that can make even the most complex things um, quite easy to do 
Absolutely, absolutely. Right? So you have access to multiple GPs. Yeah, we got around 15 GPs in the clinic, so wow. it's a fair bit. Um, we have podiatrists that work right next door. Got a dentist as yep. well, pathology lab. Um, we yep. um, have um, a fair few radiology clinics in the area, um, very high standard, so that good. are um, really good to work with. Um, yeah. So um, we have a fair few... Um, good people around us that's yeah. helping us with our service delivery most definitely which is great we love working in a team yeah. um, and um, it's a great environment to be in definitely I suppose with the dentistry you can get a couple of TMJ yeah. referrals and, and cross referral correct plenty of TMJ plenty yeah. of headaches um, yeah. and so definitely working in that space a fair bit <clears> and it just comes down to the fact that, yes, they can come in with a TMJ, but sometimes they tell the dentist that I've got a sore shoulder yeah. and, they'll, and they'll say look Go see the physio um, just just across the hall from me, and yep. we'll get get cracking into that as well. <laughs> That's so good, and I think having being in the environment where you have so many different cross referrals, naturally you become really busy, right? So yeah. across the week, Nads, how many patients can you see? So um, I'm doing around 90 to 100 yep. uh, appointments a week at the moment, which is yep. um, I'm still working four days, yep. long days, but um, it's a pace that I like. So yep. I, um, I'm a person that likes to. Um, stay fast paced um, I don't like to have lulls in my day um, yeah. so I just like to see as many patients as I can mm. my philosophy as well is that if I see more patients I'll learn more I get to tune in my interpersonal skills a bit better Definitely. get to apply my knowledge so instead of making it n equals one my sample size is n equals 90 to 100 <laughs> <laughs> well, not a thousand I don't think I could do that but <laughs> oh, like maybe a robot can <laughs> that's right now that's that's really good and i think because you're seeing so many clients you you your skills have to be almost elite because <laughs> because you have to be able to um as we were talking off here before flesh out the relevant information versus the non-relevant and then you really have because you're working under time pressure Correct. to see your your patients so you've got to be good man yeah, so pretty much um, what I always hone in on is finding what's the most important impairment um, in a patient, whether that's a shoulder, a hip, a knee or whatever, and yep. um, really honing in on that. Getting an understanding from a subjective um, mm. in um, an appropriate amount of time is really important. Those people who are more complex, we do spend a little bit more time with, yes. um, but um, understanding how to do things efficiently, understanding um, the bare bone structure of what needs to be done um, mm. is what we need to do as clinicians and also convey across to our patients. That's yeah. right. I absolutely agree. Now, Nads, this episode, mm -hmm. excuse me, this episode, we're going to be chatting about the shoulder. I've had a couple of requests from the listeners um, that they want to know more about the shoulder because obviously we know shoulder is one of the most mobile joints, if not the mobile joint in the body. So lots of things can go wrong with it. Now, um, a lot of my shoulder knowledge comes from Mr. Jared Powell. He's you know shoulder guru, really really skilled um, muscular skeletal physio. I think he's based in Queens, Queensland. Queensland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I done his course. So a lot of what we talk about today, well, from my perspective anyway, will be shadowing what he's doing a little. Um, I just think it's there's so many clinical gems and um, can be so helpful for a new grade and, and students and even myself and yourself. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we've got some of those great physios out there doing um, great work in the shoulder space. I think someone we'll talk about later today might be Jeremy Lewis and oh, Lynn Watson. He's a Kiwi. He's from he's New a, Zealand. Yeah, he's a Kiwi, so he's got a, a similar accent to you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think he's fleshed it out a little bit more. But yeah, we've got, <laughs> yeah. got some heavyweights in there as well. So yeah. tying in a lot of the knowledge from 
all these really good guys who work in this field to hopefully make it really simple for these graduates. For sure. Yeah, Kiss definitely. method, man. Keep Kiss, it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. That's it. And just another thing is that there's no way we can cover everything in the short, you know, half an hour podcast. So we'll try to keep it as relevant and as generic uh, generic slash specific as we can. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoy and we hope you get a few uh, clinical gems from this episode. I'm so excited. Let's do it. <laughs> We've been teeing up this podcast uh, for a right, while it's now. Been a while. <laughs> and now it's finally happening. There we go. And our, our shirts are coming off soon. It's just, just going to be intense. Bothering ourselves with sugar free chocolate. <laughs> yeah, sugar free chocolate. Love it. Okay, so let's talk about in this episode rotator cuff related shoulder pain. So I would argue that this is probably one of the most common presentations of shoulder pain that we get in the clinic. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely so, across the lifespan. So um, we, a, a, a kid can come in um, in the adolescence after just irritating their shoulder. That can be rotator cuff related. Yeah. You can get your grandma or grandma as well. Yeah. You can have your acute um, rotator cuff related pain. Sure. You can have an acute tear. Um, so it's very, very common. It's more. Go- it's going to be more common than your frozen shoulders that come in. For sure. Definitely. Yeah. So let's get straight into it with the subject of interview nads what's um some of what are some of the key questions that you want to you want to know so the first thing that i want to understand is is this a ro- going to be a rotator cuff pathology or not mm. so when someone says oh nadina i'm coming in i got this shoulder pain i also want to flesh out if there's any stiffness that's mm. also also associated to this as well mm. so you can ask them does it feel more stiff or does it feel more painful you get um i got this mainly from jeremy lewis himself so he we look at what a stiff shoulder would look like and that would filter you down more that sort of frozen shoulder Mm -hmm. adhesive capsulitis sort of pathway but if you're looking at a pure rotator cuff related pain you're looking for someone that will describe it as painful painful with arm movement and what i'm also trying to understand is what angles of that shoulder is that shoulder painful and in showing us the angles that that shoulder is not working as well with the rotator cuffs not providing um, enough force or the mecha- uh, the motor controls being lost from the scapula you want to know that so for example mm-hmm. is a person okay um, putting their hand behind their back versus reaching overhead is mm-hmm. it reaching a bit behind to um, uh, grab a seat belt that's painful um, those um, questions um, that you ask is okay what is painful what activities um, aggravate your pain is really what guides you yeah. to understand what you want to test next so mm. um, if someone else is, is comes in and they say oh, I'm okay overhead but my hand behind my back so painful mm. it pinches um, uh, when I put my hand behind my um, um, back I might not do a speeds test or a, um mm. open can test but I might definitely do a lift off test see For what's sure. going on there so that's where that addresses it in so in a subjective really coming down to what positions is that shoulder painful in definitely yeah yeah i would add in there too um understanding their mechanism of injury correct i think that's a huge one whether they whether it was an insidious onset or whether it was from an injury exactly injury you can then develop you can then distinguish between more your full thickness tears your partial thickness tears and all that Yeah, exactly. So uh, mechanism of injury tells you a lot. Okay, Mm. so what were they doing when they were um, caused that tissue rupture? Um, I was discussing with you off air as well. What was important is understanding why you're asking these questions. Okay, so with a mechanism of injury, let's say it was overhead lifting at um, 100 degrees flexion that caused it to um, um, cause the injury to come on. Um, What that tells you is that 
angle, that exact angle is where that tissue failure point was, mm. okay? Whatever load and that person was lifting or carrying or whatever at that angle mm. caused that tissue to um, um, reach a failure point. Mm. So, again, it gives you those treatment mm. ideas later on, okay? Sure. What sort of exercises you might prescribe, what sort of angles you might give. And yeah. we haven't even done an objective yet. That's right. That's, you're still in subjective and you're already being able to think about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As we talked about before, a good subjective should give you the diagnosis. Correct. Most so, of the time. Most of the time. So when with the subjective, it's always hypothesis mm. um, generation. You've got to think of yourself as a funnel. When a person comes in um, with a um, saying, I got um, a shoulder problem, you have mm. maybe 100, 150 diagnoses, mm. but you're really narrowing it down to yeah. maybe three to four okay yep. if you're good you might be down to one but then that's what you're really testing with your objective okay yeah. are you right you can't test everything you just got to test those <laughs> two to three things that you think it might yeah. be so that's the art of the, having a really good subjective is narrowing that down think of it as yeah, a funnel for sure i think when i first no i don't think i know when i first <laughs> started i used to do all the objective tests under the sun and then the patient would leave with a super flared up shoulder and I felt I felt horrible. Yeah. And that's just part of I'm just doing too many tests for it, no reason. Exactly. So there has to be a meaning for the tests. Okay. You need to mm. have a direction that you're going in. So for example, yeah. if you have tested out um, through your subjective that oh it's sounding really like a rotator cuff pathology, mm. well you're not going to check PROM too much, are you? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, you, um, because you're not looking at a um, um, a stiff shoulder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, but if it's rotator cuff and as, as discussed before with that sort of oh hand behind uh, mm. behind my back's painful then you might do a lift off test or so sure. but you might um, exclude other tests and if you have your clinical reasoning to justify that mm. that's what's needed yep. but yeah definitely on straight on board with you don't do everything just do what is needed mm. from the subjective and what that subjective narrowed na narrows you down to do yeah and then one thing I'd also add is it takes a few years of practice to be able to refine your craft and pick only you know two to three objective assessments so when you first start out as a new grad in, in private don't beat yourself up if you are over testing them because you'd rather be safe than sorry in my opinion correct so learning to do those tests to begin with, with whether that's your first month out second month out if you're going through the full battery that's mm -hmm. okay but then you'll be able to see okay with let's say one patient um, who's let's say um, abduction's painful yeah. you'll find patterns that match it for example if abduction's painful you might find that lapex tight or something like yeah. that yeah. and you knowing those clinical patterns with experience will refine your tests down so then you might work next time you see that sim uh, another patient so there's a sim presentation you might yep. narrow it down just to doing abduction testing looking at pec minor length mm. as opposed to doing other stuff so yep. that's definitely um something it's okay to um do a bunch of tests but then with experience you'll um refine that down for as sure you said. yeah i think going back to the the subjective questions that we need to ask the red flag questions are really important especially working in a medical center like yourself um you have access to the gp so you can make that direct referral whereas in my situation i'm in a private clinic that's not too close to any gps um and so i i feel like i need to be extra vigilant when it comes to red flags so some of the red flag uh things you need to look out for are things like fractures so are there is there any acute is there any significant acute pain take that with a grain of salt because some people's pain level like pain gauge are a little bit wonky 
<laughs> you yeah, were gonna so, say so yeah, pretty much with a fracture, um, like you'd um that mechanism of injury is going to be really important. important You're yeah. going to know a bit of their medical history. If they're an old um, crumbly yeah. lady, you got to ask, do they have osteopenia, osteoporosis, For sure. those sort of things. But you're not going to ask, okay, are they going to have osteopenia, osteoporosis to a four-year-old kid with a little bit of shoulder pain? <laughs> yeah. So I like to make that in contrast. So again, sure. narrow. you can also tailor your red flag questions sure. as well. Sure. Um, other good red flags to look for is irritability. Mm. Okay, So I'm a big harpo about irritability. So when they they do let's say they lift their arm up does it take a long time for the pain to settle down afterwards yeah. does it take hours to settle down yeah. that might show you that there's a significant structural pathology there sure. you gotta ask those night pain questions yep. and it's not night pain if i when i roll onto my shoulder it's painful yep. and that's causing the pain yep. it's like no is it a deep night pain there's um, a lady described it once to me like a toothache sort of pain mm. that might suggest something sinister there as yep. well and don't be afraid to ask your cancer questions. Yeah, well. I feel that's a, that's a question that people can overlook. Yeah, continue to ask that. Um, you might want um, what I've actually gotten into is I've actually phrased that as a medical history question. Okay. So in when I'm saying okay, do you have any mm. medical history? Does you know of any family history of cancer or yeah. personal history? That can usually just make it okay. Whereas instead of phrasing it as a red flag question, sure. where they can think okay, does he think I have cancer? Yeah, yeah. And also doing that because you that would have been on paper, right? Yeah. It took the it took away that awkwardness about asking the about the big C. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I know that it shouldn't or it shouldn't be awkward because you've got their best interests at heart but sometimes asking about cancer asking about whether they're on their period all those questions can especially if you're a new grad can be really weird and intimidating to ask correct exactly and it's also phrasing the question in the appropriate way to the patient if you see that they're really anxious and really wound up you Mm. might need to keep it very subtle okay and whereas (laughs) someone who's a um, a real straight shooter they'll they'll be like yeah yeah ask ask away ask away and yeah you can 100% yeah. Um, deliver it as per normal without thinking too so much about it. Some clinical judgment is warranted Correct. here. Everyone's different. You got to tailor your subjective as much as you tailor everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then definitely looking at things like systemic infection as well. Are you asking them? Are you like? Are you well? <laughs> are you? Do you fever. have a fever? Yeah, fever. yeah, definitely. Like if, mm. if especially when they're talking about constant pain, um, that fever question is going to be really important as yeah. well. Like um, systemic issues are really there, yeah. and like that also goes down to especially in the shoulder area, talking about any metabolic diseases such as diabetes, diabetes as yep. well for frozen shoulder, especially correct. Um, and we know a lot of these um systemic issues, whether that's cardiovascular, mm. Di- mm. um, diabetes or whatever, thyroid, everything. Yeah. Correct. They can pretty much weaken tissue too. So yeah, definitely. that's a that's gonna be a something else that's gonna have a um big impact as well. Women mm. going through menopause as well. You should be able to check that out on your patient details yeah. button, how yeah. old they are. Double yeah. check. Like that's why a lot of these incidences with um a lot of um tendon pathology, muscle tears happens in that age group exactly. for females. Yeah, okay. interesting. Drop eh? drop in estrogen levels and all of that as well. So for sure. That's a big part. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um take it back to rotator cuff related shoulder pain. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel like man, like once we get talking it's just it's just thought after thought. And we I can lo- talk forever. <laughs> I, I know. That's why I invited you on my podcast because <laughs> when we went out for our Tinder day we were just chatting. I was like far out we need a microphone. Yeah we, we we could talk for a f- <laughs> four years. <laughs> four years. Um, yeah, so taking it back to rotator cuff related shoulder pain, the reason why we call it that and not things like impingement 
this is all covered in the Jared Powell course and I think it's really interesting is because language has power and if you say things to a patient like you've got subacromial impingement immediately they're going to go home and search that up and then they're going to see some crazy red inflamed tissue and they're just going to fear movement and they start to be scared to move and that's obviously opposite of what we're trying to do exactly it's exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do and it comes down to the fact is we know that term impingement is also anatomically and pathophysiologically incorrect in- as well inac- well in- inaccurate yeah in- that's inaccurate. right there's a lot of nociceptive drivers around the shoulder that's right. that's and there's right. a lot of things that can cause pain um but we know with the development of pain science and all that mm. is um Pain doesn't mean pinching or biomechanical yep. stress sometimes as well. There's a huge yep. part to it. It's understanding the reason why it's there that's yeah. more important than what it actually is. Yeah, and just to touch on pain, I know we can go into a rabbit hole with oh, this one. Pain science. <laughs> we can do the whole pain science lecture. Yeah, we it's definitely crazy. can do that. <laughs> it's so fascinating. But the, the whole thing with pain is that pathoanatomy, so whether they come in with an ultrasound or MRI showing that they've got a partial thickness tear, and a lot of people hold on to that definition and be like, my shoulders sore because i've got a partial thickness that one pathoanatomical diagnosis if you like that's only one aspect of what can cause pain there's like 20 factors that can cause pain including stress sleep diet smoking alcohol all that stuff so if we just hang on to that one definition and not address all the other factors that can cause pain we're doing them a disservice of course so sometimes i look at an ultrasound and i'll Mm. read the ultrasound report i'll correlate it to what i see and it's subjective and objective yeah and there are patients that um if i could i would literally tear up that paper in front of them and say this is irrelevant yeah okay exactly uh, because you can see it has um um it has nothing to do with their presentation. No. There are stuff that can be put on reports as well that is absolutely ludicrous too. I've had reports <laughs> saying shoulder uh, uh, brought up into abduction causes impingement. Let's try a corticosteroid injection oh, in you're there. you're joking. So you can get a really like... Yeah. N- nothing shown on scan but you, c- you can really get those sort of reports and, and yeah. that's the thing is you've got to use your clinical judgment our battery of tests are so much better yeah. than um, a lot of imaging f- um, findings um, and I say that specifically in relation to ultrasound mm. okay yep. um ultrasound in particular because there is a lot of ultrasound um, scans that are done for the shoulder mm-hmm. um, that I would take it with a grain of salt for sure. definitely it's a tool to help it's a piece of puzzle but it's not the whole puzzle correct and it's also a piece of puzzle you can throw away as well if need be you get to choose yeah exactly that's right that's right um okay so bringing it back to rotator cuff related shoulder pain usually they'll have pain on a mechanical source of pain like pain with abduction pain with flexion usually the pain is around the anterior uh, lateral deltoid rarely okay. does it go past the elbow if it goes past the elbow you have to consider whether it's referral from the neck so screen the neck is there any ways you like to screen the neck so pretty much as well is if someone points to their upper trap and say my shoulder's painful that's not their shoulder that's not their shoulder okay so so you got you got to have a look at okay is there a survivogenic link to it um when they point towards their upper trap that's not their shoulder Mm. someone that comes in with shoulder pain they're pointing to the front of their shoulder Mm. the side of the shoulder you can get pain at the back of the shoulder as well but yeah 
pins, needles, numbness, you're doing a neuro. Weakness, you're doing a neuro. Yep. If you think there's a cervicogenic link to it, you're doing a neuro. Screen the neck. Correct. If you think if there's like a really sus um, shoulder drop or the, there's really bad um, um, asymmetric wasting, wi- wasting yeah, yeah. asymmetric winging for some reason and just doesn't seem right, mm. do a neuro. Hundred percent. Sure. Okay. Um, so a neurological is your dermatomes and myotomes and reflexes. For sure. Do not forget your neurodynamic testing as yeah, well. Okay. Yeah. So do your neurodynamic testing as well median radial alna yeah man we're, we're talking about the the um objective stuff in here as well so i think it's really really good um i think if we just make that transition into some of the key objective stuff that we'll do um first of all observe have a look at them with their shirt off some people you can literally just observe them with in standing and you can yep. probably get 90 percent of the objective out of there yeah literally yeah 100 percent. so observe look at them have a look at, and just don't look at them with their clothes on um get your minds out of the gutter you dirty you dirty <laughs> dogs um but yeah Take get the, if, if appropriate, get them to take their shirt off. Have a look at the symmetry. There's not a whole lot of correlation between like you know symmetry and, and pain, but just have a look for your own sake. Correct. Doesn't hurt them. Doesn't hurt you. Correct. So a good thing to do is look for that symmetry. Okay. Yep. If there's a shoulder drop, correct it. What does it do to your aerom assessment? If the shoulder's um, um, anteriorly migrating the humeral head, put it back into a little bit of retraction. See I if guess, it makes it feel better. See if it makes it feel better. It gives you a treatment direction. And, and if it is a clinical gem you're going to take out of this, I'll tell you probably for 95% of people is actually going to feel better. Yep. It already tells you what you're going to do for treatment yep. already. Yep. Okay. And that's that's just from an observational um, analysis. Um, a good one to look at is um, Jeremy Lewis's um, symptom modification procedures, but yep. we'll get onto that a little bit later. For, <laughs> for treatment, hey. And um, assessment, yeah. And assessment, yeah. definitely. Because that, again, as you said, that gives us the direction of our of, um, treatment. Treatment, exactly. Uh, definitely look at your active range your passive range correct <laughs> that's, that's a given correct so. um with passive range it's important to do with the patient supine or, or lying on their back when they're fully relaxed because if they've got any muscle guarding you're going to get lots of false negatives yeah correct so, so false positives i should say correct yeah so if there's a uh, difference between active um so active range of motion might be different to passive mm-hmm. range of motion mm-hmm. that's going to show you where the weakness is pretty much okay mm-hmm. if you do it in standing you can um get a bit of muscle guarding yeah. and you can get other things going on there so yeah good to do the passive in supine yeah for sure and then would um have a look at the manual muscle testing all the stuff you covered in first year uni correct all the basic stuff don't yeah. over, don't over complicate it mm-hmm. if you want to check abduction just Get them to lift their arm out to the side and push it down. Correct. And look for pain, look for weakness. Correct. And it goes back down to that subjective again is if you've figured out which angles are there weakened in the subjective, test those angles out, mm-hmm. okay? Test the clinical tests. For example, you can do external rotation yep. in neutral. You can do it in 90 degrees. You can for do sure. it in 45 degrees. Which angle is it actually painful in it? Test it in that uh, angle. Absolutely, yeah. And then I think that rolls nicely into functional tests. Um, in the shoulder course that I did with Jared Powell, he does the scaption th- three kilos or five kilo scaption dumbbell tool failure. Obviously, you pick and choose who you do this with. Um, and then you've got the orthopedic, I say this in um, quotation marks, but the orthopedic special tests, yep. uh, which is best used in a cluster, not 
with not just one test at a time. Correct. Yeah. So um, I've never looked a patient in the eye after doing an open can test and said, okay, you got a supraspinatus tear. Yeah. Okay. You just can't do that. Like All you know you, from that is you've got a sore shoulder. <laughs> you got a sore shoulder. There's so many neosusceptive drivers, so many bursts around the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like anything can be causing that. Okay. You got to use a cluster of tests. And usually, as I said, with the cluster of tests, just tailor it to which angle is painful, okay? Yeah. Like um, if you drive a, pain, a painful shoulder up the wall by doing all the tests under the yep. sun, it'll become very irritable. For sure, 100%. Um, well, I can't really think of anything else when it comes to objective. Um, so I thought we'd roll into treatment if Let's you're happy it. with that, Nats. Yeah, correct. All right, so we'll roll into treatment. Now, a, a big thing about this is that when you start working for realsies, you'll find that the subjective, objective, and treatment all roll into one. Correct. They all blends together. Correct. <laughs> so even when we we're talking about the subjective before, we were talking about treatment already. Yeah. Okay. And it was and we were just talking about what we're going to do in the objective. Yeah. It's always that forward thinking. You're not part one, part two, part three. They're all part yeah. of one. You can educate while you're assessing. You can For sure. educate while you're doing a subjective. They're yeah. all one. Um, it's not part one, part two, part three. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So one of the biggest thing I took away from the course right now is that. Quite often, quite often a patient will present to us for physio and they come to us with the notion of what's physio going to do, you know, like I've been told, like the physios, sorry, the patient's been told they need surgery. So they literally come into the physio just to check a box. But we know from so much research that they can actually avoid surgery. A big chunk of them can avoid surgery if they put in at least three months. So that's 12 weeks of rehab. Oh, 100%. Um, there was a huge, um, there was, there was a huge um, randomized control trial, I think, in the yeah. UK through the NHS. Yeah. Um, it literally demonstrated that um, having physiotherapy, having um, 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 arthroscopy, and yeah. also doing a um, placebo arthroscopy as well. Oh, wow. Which, correct. Okay. And <laughs> How did that pass ethics? Uh, it, just did okay. <laughs> no questions <laughs> no asked. questions asked yeah i'm pretty sure that was it and pretty much similar outcome so you can really get really really good mm. results with physio okay so um we're just as good as the surgeons with treating yeah. this stuff yeah. um and that's not to say that people that we have to retain all the patients mm. um there are some patients that if they're not getting better that you still need to yep. refer on yep. but um yeah you want to definitely um give it the best best crack with physio and the best thing and we're just about to talk about treatment is um the twinkle in the eye when you can show them that you can actually change their pain state that's the first big buy-in so um and that's what we're going to talk about with treatment because there's so much different treatment methods that we can do yeah yeah and one of the the quotes that i'll always have in my head is you can't go wrong with getting strong that's right. Do you know who that's from? Is that Adam Meek? Yeah, it's yeah, Adam Meek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Getting, getting, getting strong is really, really good. And especially with rotator cuff pathologies as yeah, well. Yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of patients come in thinking, okay, I might need surgery. But we always say um, at our clinic four things, okay? Give a diagnosis, yeah. okay? Yeah. Um, tell them how long it's going to take as yeah. well, okay? Um, talk about the treatment, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and yeah, just pretty much um, educate Give them a plan. Yeah. Educate them. Give them a plan. Okay, that's so what they good. need. So, so that's part of your treatment. All four of those. Yeah. So don't even before you started doing any massage or needling or strengthening, you got to do those four basics already because yeah. that's going to really settle them down and show them that 
you're in command of what's going mm. on and that you do have a plan. It's not just, okay, let's send this person to the next allied health professional and see what yeah. they can do for a couple of sessions and go. That's right. No, you're there to make some meaningful change for a person's life. Exactly. And speaking of meaningful change, I think going back to the subjective, it's important to find out what's meaningful to the patient. What do they want to get back into? If it's to be able to lift up their grandkids or whether it's to play tennis again or or whether it's to swim at the next um, Olympics. The, the goals is very, very important. And quite often, I'll be the first to admit it, I, I forget to ask, hey, what do you want to get out of this physio consult you know exactly so it always comes down to goal oriented care okay so if you're working mm. with a swimmer that needs to go overhead you're not going to be doing things at zero degrees flexion <laughs> like yeah. you got yeah. to tailor it and they can tell if what exercises you're giving is mm. actually going to help them or not because they'll be wondering how come i'm doing these little internal external rotations at zero de- degrees uh, flexion mm. abduction <clears throat> when my issue is when i reach overhead they'll know that yeah okay so yeah. if you give meaningful exercises functional exercises Mm. um the buy-in is a lot higher and also the progress is a lot better as well but i think as physios i think we're really really getting good at that though definitely we're definitely moving away from just the you know three sets of 10 external rotation theraband that i mean for some people that's a fantastic exercise don't get me wrong but for a big part of the population you're significantly underloading their rotator cuff and shoulder joint correct exactly so um you got to progress it all the way through okay you got your activation um, rep ranges you got your hypertrophy you got your strength rep ranges you have to also get them all up all the way up to plyometrics don't forget that okay our shoulder does work in fast quick motions requires power in a very short period of time most shoulder injuries happen when you do that quick flick or that so you've got to prepare them for that correct so you got to bring them through that spectrum I always say find where on that spectrum they are. Mm. Okay, they might they might already be at that power stage, and you just need to refine that. Mm. Or they might be smack bang at that activation mm. stage. Meet okay. them where they are. Meet them where they are. Okay, don't start everyone at the activation phase if they don't need it. Yeah. Okay, um, yeah. or don't give the grandma who can't bring their arm up 30 degrees the plyometrics you're not doing that you just meet them where they are it's a spectrum and you just place them on the spectrum and you just progress them through it it's as simple as that absolutely Nat Um, do you have any go-to golden tips or exercises that you like to do for treatment okay for me, when it comes to anterior shoulder pain, um, I'd be looking at if there's an internal rotation deficit. Okay. Okay. Cool. So I'll be looking at in supine um, if there is an internal rotation and deficit at around 90 degrees. If there is, um, if there is a catch around 90 degrees, I can look at lower than that as well. Yeah. Um, just gives me an idea. If there's a bit of stiffness in there that might be causing the shoulder to to come a little bit forward sure. might be causing uh, the irritation of the anterior structures. Yeah. So then mobilizing internal rotation to improve that, whether that's through an MWM, mm-hmm. okay, which is Mulligan's technique. Yeah. Um, you can do um, straight AP mobilizations, depending on whatever technique you're comfortable with, sure. can help. Then again, you just retest the same range, see if that changes. Mm-hmm. Pec minor is a test, really... Test, retest. Correct. Test, treat retest mm-hmm. and you'll be able to tell what's driving it yeah. um pec minor is a big one as well for anterior shoulder pain yeah. what you'll find is uh, pec becomes um, very dominant um can mm. over um can over dominate subscap yeah. a fair bit yeah. so usually releasing through pec minor can be a really good treatment technique sure. so so you can do that with 
hands-on massage you can do yeah. that with a bit of dry needling again retest yeah. you can have some really good meaningful change yeah. um, with these patients and they can see it straight away mm -hmm. um, being able to get some really good results with that okay cool. then you can make a lot of the exercises pain-free okay yeah. Yeah. and then to be honest the exercise prescription is um, exactly what we we're discussing before is find which angle mm -hmm. they're um, painful in okay yeah just go below that okay mm -hmm. don't work into pain I find with shoulders too yeah. much okay yeah. Um, try to keep it as pain-free as possible, yep. okay, and work through there. Okay? Yeah, for sure. And um, just a shameless plug, I'm actually on the process of writing an ebook for you students um, and new grads out there who, who might be interested. And one of the, the biggest um, tips on there is on exercise prescription and the whole idea that uh, you don't need to complicate the exercises. Just follow the continuum of starting the exercises from a controlled origin and then work your way up the spectrum to chaos if that's what their goal dictates that's right that's it's right. very simple that's right kiss method baby kiss method and you as long as you follow that okay as as with the book okay yeah it'll be okay and you're yeah. always making sure that motor control is good where, wherever they are in the spectrum yeah. okay if you need to bring them back work on that motor control you work on that motor control for sure but your book goes through all of that Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So just on that note too, like I'm, I'm on the process of writing at the moment. I'm smashing away. I'm really, really loving and enjoying making it for you guys. So in the next couple of weeks, it should be out and released. I'm gonna make it look all pretty and gemmed up. Makes all excited. <laughs> That's right, man. So um, it's gonna be for free. So just hit me up if you want one, and I'll make sure to send you a copy. Nothing like good freebies. <laughs> That's right, man. Start with but freebies. But some really, really good information. Um, and um very well consolidated especially for graduates perfect mm. for graduates so yeah. um it can be intimidating especially with the upcoming months a lot of people getting their registrations and all yep. that so it's going to be a really um, a good read just to get your um, um foot through the door that's okay, right when you're starting up for sure for sure thanks for plugging it man <laughs> all right Ned. so we'll conclude the episode there but in the next episode we're going to be chatting about the dreaded frozen shoulder yeah. dun, dun, dun. we could play the music all day <laughs> it's oh a, man it's a it, it's it's a it, for me it's a heartbreaking diagnosis seeing it someone is. come in with a frozen shoulder it's, it's uh yeah it's it, it's it's a heavy thing to tell someone definitely. definitely yeah all right well thanks for listening to this episode everyone and again welcome nads to the podcast thank you hopefully. i think after your performance today i reckon you stick around for a while what do you, what do you say <laughs> i might have to we yeah, make I'm you a co-host what do you yeah, say exactly if, if, if lovely kareen keeps on making me crepes i'm definitely gonna oh yeah coming on. <laughs> my awesome wife kareen uh, hooked us up with hooked us up with some crepes today and um it was freaking good man yeah, i married a good woman yeah I'll tell exactly you that. <laughs> all right guys we'll catch you in the next episode have a good one